now. This is Ann Graham Lotz. Equipping the saints with sound biblical instruction. This is The Way, way. 101.1. Current events. Personal values. Political and social issues. Technology. Wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. While Saudi Arabia and Israel seem to be getting closer, Israel seems to be getting closer to war with Iran. Russia is warning of oil reaching $300 a barrel. Meanwhile, we've got a barrel full of anarchy back here in America. It's all part of the Signs of the Times, our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, March 11th, 2022. Today's live broadcast can be found as podcast number 206 and will be available through most popular podcasting sources or just go right to the source, the Way Media app or thewaymedia.net to listen, share, or subscribe. And it's the only place that you can read the articles we discuss, and we always encourage you to do that because there's more article to read than we have time to discuss. And now here to explain what's going on in the world is our resident prophetologist, we just call him Pastor Mark, who unfortunately has recently been banned from the Secret Cooking Society because he kept spilling the beans. (laughs) Oh, stand, stand by. <laughs> I, well, I need the button. Stand by. No. Well, how come I, how my rim shot's not playing? Yeah, but again, you need to give the rim oh, shot to me. You if you're going to tell a joke, I have to be Shecky. I've got to give the rim shot for you. All right, here we go. Let's see, <laughs> let's work. Oh, there it is. See, that completes it. Oh, my. that's great. I got to stop spilling the beans, but spill the beans prophetically now. Yes. There you go. That's why I'm the. You know. Got a of the beans. Got, you know, it's this new system still. I'm having problems getting my timing <laughs> down. Anyway, speaking of speaking of new, I just want to uh, give this to our listeners really quickly. Uh, April first, and this is no joke. We're not fooling. Will be the last show that we will record live on Friday. Uh, the following uh, week, we are going to pre-record this show. Um, earlier in the week and send it out. And there's several reasons for that. Uh, first of all, we want to have more time as needed to discuss things and having things within an hour to fit into a radio broadcast doesn't work. But if we record it first as a podcast and then rebroadcast it, that gives us time to be more flexible to make the show shorter or longer. It's actually going to give us more time in the show to talk about things because we're going to get rid of radio-related elements. So just a little history lesson. When this show started in 2007, podcasting, we didn't even know how to spell that. And this was just a radio program. So uh, once podcasting became available, it was a new way to reach listeners who obviously not everyone is available Fridays at one thirty. So now uh, this will be available as continuing as a podcast whenever you want it to be. Then it will be broadcast twice in the week on WIAM. So for those of you listening to the radio station, you will hear it first on Wednesdays at one thirty, and then it will be rebroadcast again at Fridays at one thirty. So for those people that are locked into Fridays at one thirty, we don't want to, you know, mess up your groove there. Uh, right. You'll hear that show. It'll just be a few days older, but that's okay. And uh, it's going to give us uh, an opportunity to uh, do more with the program and give Pastor Mark more freedom uh, to share as God's leading him on certain subjects and not feel constrained in a time limit. Uh, so anyway, so that's the long and the short of it. Yeah, I think it'll change the feel, and I think in a good way. I mean, yeah. sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes I can feel a little bit rushed about yeah. certain topics because we're trying to get everything in. So it may, uh, I think it's going to be a nice change. Yeah. And also, too, before we uh, get into our um, uh, articles, uh, I, I do want to give a shout out, um, not necessarily to Pastor Mark, um, but uh, to his teaching ministry. And I encourage you folks to do this. Uh, if you get to the waymedia.net or the waymedia app, 
uh, you can go to the Calvary Knoxville section. And I want you to go to the current Wednesday teachings and go back to this past Wednesday's teaching of Isaiah chapter 1. Um, when Pastor Mark teaches, and when any pastor that's following the Lord is teaching, the gift of teaching is in operation. However, Wednesday night was particularly impactful and powerful, and I could really feel God's Holy Spirit just almost just overtaking you with the things that you were saying, and you were making the correlation between the things that we're seeing in our world today and what God's Word says. And to me, it was just a prophetic, biblical, I, I knocked it out of the park, and so much so that I'm recommending that teaching to people who have who are parents that have rebellious children yeah. or are struggling to understand a rebellious society that we're living in. And we're going to talk about some of those articles today as well. Yeah, it, It's entirely appropriate, extremely impactful. The book of Isaiah is going to be fantastic. Yeah. So we encourage you, even if you've got a home church or somewhere else, that's fine. But really, we do encourage you, take the time, at least I do, uh, take the time to listen to Wednesday's uh, uh, teaching through the book of Isaiah as he's working through the Bible. He's doing chapters at a time. I think you did chapters 1, 2, and 3. Yes. Yep. So anyway, we encourage you to do that. Yeah, Isaiah is a powerful it's, book. It's, it's a power, great study. It's Absolutely. a powerful book. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so let's get into some articles for this Friday. Uh, our first one is from Breitbart.com. Pastor Mark, the Saudi crown prince, is looking at Israel as a potential ally yeah. and... For those people that have watched historically Saudi Arabia dealing with Israel, and now all of a sudden, what's this turnabout in you know relations? It yeah. was bad, now it's good. There is a generational you know reason for that. Yeah, these guys have been at war for many years, yeah. and then suddenly in the last few years, we've seen this kind of friendly turn. And we've talked about it before, how they're getting friendlier with the nation of Israel, and you wonder, of all the people I would think would not be friendly with Israel, you think about, okay, they're, they're a nation of Islam. And you have Israel, nation of Judaism, and there's the classic battle of the different, you know, uh, viewpoints of the Middle East for all this time. Uh, but you have to remember a couple of things. There's two different kinds of Islam. There's a, a little bit, I guess you would call, stricter form of Islam. Um, that is, the, you have the Sunnis and the Shias. And, you, can, um, you can call those denominations. For, I guess in a to, sense. To the, make the correlation. Yeah, the Shia yeah. are the ones that believe you have to be a direct descendant. Their leader has to be a direct descendant from Muhammad. Yeah. And so there's a real adherence to the family of Muhammad. Whereas the Sunnis are a little bit more of, hey, it's just Islam. We don't have to be so strictly uh, tied to Muhammad, etc. And you'll find that they're a little bit less... Um, uh, you know, ag- aggressive, if you will. For example, um, Shia is Iran, and they lead the world in uh, terrorism. So you see that whole, you know, bent there toward yeah. that, whereas the Sunnis are Egypt, Saudi Arabia, some of the others that are a little bit less uh, aggressive, if you will. And, of course, Saudi Arabia has been um, uh, an enemy of Israel for many years uh, because of um, you know, Islam and other reasons. It's a spiritual battle. But we have noticed a turn over the last few years where Saudi Arabia is now getting friendly with the nation of Israel. And we predicted this would happen. Well, we knew it would happen because the Bible predicts it. We didn't predict it. God says that when we see the battle of Ezekiel 38 and 39, that when um, uh, Russia and Iran and these nations come against Israel, Saudi Arabia is not going to be going along with it. They're going to be like, well, why are you doing this? What are you doing? And, of course, the ancient names for Saudi Arabia are Sheba and Dedan, and that's that region of Saudi Arabia. And they're they're not really uh, trying to stop the invasion because they, they couldn't anyway. They don't have the uh, military power. But they're going, why are you doing this? I mean, what what it's almost like they're kind of being a friend that can't really jump into the fight, but they're kind of arguing from the background, going, why are you beating this guy up? Leave him alone. What did he do to you type thing? And you go, well, why would they do that, and why the change here in the recent years? Well, because we're working toward Ezekiel 38 and 39. We're working toward the restoration of all things when Christ comes back and rules on the earth. And what you may not know is that the region of Saudi Arabia is really the region of the true um, uh, descendants of Ishmael, what we call the Arab. Now, Arabs are in other places, but I think, I know when I first came to the Lord, uh, Greg, for me, it was like, well, Arabs were anybody in the Middle East that weren't the Jews. Mm-hmm. And the Jews, I broke them up in two groups, Jews and Arabs. That is not the case at all. You have the Jews, which are pretty obvious. They're descendants of Abraham through the line of Jacob. Um, Arabs, specific Arabs, biblically, and by even world definition now, they come through the line of Ishmael, Okay, the two children of, of Abraham. So when you're looking at what a real Arab is, you're talking about the Ishmaelites, and the Ishmaelites uh, ended up, their region is the Saudi Arabia region, so Saudi Arabians are 
Ishmaelites or the other child of Abraham that didn't get along with Jacob um, or didn't get along you know, with um, uh, Isaac when he was born. And this whole thing of, of, of you know, the. You know, the whole battle there between the, the, um, you know, the descendants coming through Isaac and the descendants coming through Ishmael. Um, and, and now it's kind of neat for me to see that, you know, they're, they're becoming friends again, but there's this draw there. There's a, their family. In other words, yeah, they, they may have these arguments, but still there's that thing of, okay, I may not agree with you on a lot of things and we may not like you in some areas, but you're still family. And for those of you out there that have family that maybe you're not super close to, but you, you still have a connection because they're, Family. If they weren't family, you'd have nothing to do with them. But because they are family by blood, there's there's still that connection. And so if there's a death in the family or something goes wrong, you want to be there to kind of help. I think we're seeing that take place here in the last days with Saudi Arabia. They're kind of going, you know, this is our brother, you know, and, and so we're connected here somewhere. We both go back to Abraham. Well, so that was my next question, Pastor Mark. Do you think that the Saudis are genealogically aware of the connection? Oh, yeah, they are. Okay. Oh, yeah, they know. Okay. They know Ishmael. See what they say. Okay. And again, this is where the Sunni religion, what they say is, is that, yes, there's the two different sons, because they'll say they are, um, you know, the chosen ones and the descendants of Abraham. And the Jews say we're the chosen ones and we're the descendants of Abraham, because they both know they go back to Abraham as their father. Yeah. They know they have a different mother, but they know they have the connection back to Abraham. So you how do we solve the argument well god solved the argument god said look you you do both have abraham as your genetic father but my blessed line my chosen line is going to go through isaac and through jacob and through the jews so god settled it by saying his line that he chose and the reason being is if you go back and look remember and this is interesting greg this is a great conversation ishmael was a, a child of the flesh and isaac mm. was a child of the spirit that's true yeah. see isaac was you know god said i'm going to give you a child and it didn't happen in Abraham's timing, timing or Sarah's timing. So Sarah said, hey, uh, I can't have any children here. Let's kind of help God out because God said we're going to have this. Yeah. Why don't you take Hagar, uh, my, the Egyptian handmaiden, the servant here that's among all of our people here in, our, in our, our camp. Why don't you make her your wife? And then in that day, if you had a baby for someone else, you could take that baby as your own. And it would be yours legally and really viewed that way, although it wasn't genetic. So Abraham gave in, he has, takes Hagar as a wife, and they had Ishmael. Well, Abraham's thinking, this is it. This is the son of promise. We have Ishmael. Yeah. And so then the descendants of Ishmael are the Arabs, and that's where you have the history line now that goes on down to the Saudi Arabians, etc. Well, then God came to him later and said, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Look, I love them, and I'll bless them, but that's not my line. That's not of the spirit. You did that of the flesh in your own strength. I'm going to do something of the spirit that's going to be blessed. Yeah. And when you look at the two lines, Greg, quite honestly, God loves them both. But you can see the 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 fleshliness of that whole line, the the fighting, the the battling, the just the whole radicalism, the everything they've had yeah. in their in their you know, God said he's gonna be a wild man. Right. When God described him. And and truly they are wild men, so yes, to speak. They are. I'm not saying they're all that way. No. Not a, I'm not giving a general stereotype. But historically, yes. as nations, they have been wild men, yeah. so to speak. Whereas the Jews have been more of the, um, you know, I guess not so wild, if you say, to put it that way. But there's the history of it, and that's how it came to be. Well, you know, what's interesting is you use that analogy about the flesh and the spirit. You know, Sarah is a good uh, uh, illustration for us. When we try to take God's promises into our own hands, we end up resenting the outcome. And Sarah ended up resenting Hagar. She did. Because even though even though she was the one that really took it by the That's reins right. and said, no, uh, well, God said it, but I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver it for God. Yeah. And then she ended up resenting her own actions. Yeah. And there's so many lessons yeah. here, Greg. One other yeah. obvious one is that we think oftentimes that our decision, our little sin doesn't affect anyone else. The the battles you see and that you've seen for the last few thousands of years in the Middle East was a decision that Sarah and Abraham made. Yeah. To have uh, Ishmael. Not that God doesn't, again, not that God doesn't love them. He does love them. He does, and he said so. But it was outside of God's will, and because of that, we now have the consequences of all this battle between the Jews and all their surrounding neighbors. It all goes back to a family disobedience, and it's lasted for thousands of years. It's quite the family. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. (laughs) All right, our next article. I didn't read any of it. Oh, I didn't, didn't read the my word. Let me let me touch on. We we jumped right in the conversation. Okay. But listen, Saudi Arabia Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman uh, um, uh, asserted Thursday that Israel could be a potential ally. There it is, brothers coming back together to the Islamic Kingdom. The Crown Prince highlighted Saudi Arabia's hopes that Israel will work to solve the conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And I quote: "We don't look at Israel as an enemy." 
We look at them as a potential ally, brother, with many interests that we we can pursue together, Solomon says. So that's important to put in there. And again, I should have read it first off the bat, but either way, you wanted them to hear the article that goes with that. That's okay, funny. Well, we get started talking, and then we forget where we're at. There we go. And I think we're here in Knoxville. That's right. That's right. Uh, Two inches of snow for tomorrow, by the way. That's why I'm wearing my... uh, Hawaiian. Sure to remind me that yes. there is hope there you go. for the future. <laughs> Spring is almost there. You go. Here. There you go. All right. Israel 365 News is reporting that Israel is uh, calling to wage war against Iran now before a nuclear deal is signed. So, what is this new nuclear deal we're talking about? Yeah. We we can understand why Israel would be very, uh, you know, yeah. hesitant of seeing this deal go through but explain it this is huge and i'll give you further latest up-to-date details even as of today but listen this israel's defense minister said on monday that the time to act on iran was now this is key he's saying we have to move now before the ayatollah's uh, regime was protected by a nuclear canopy so we've got to get them before they get nuclear weapons or we can't stop them the world must mobilize to stop iranian aggression said benny gets in a post on social media a day after israel announced that the israel defense forces had intercepted iranian drones en route from iran to gaza last year the state of israel and its defense establishment would take all necessary measures political economic and if needed also military in order to defend our sovereignty and ensure the security of the citizens of Israel. Now, let me say why this is huge and then give you an update about how maybe God is already kind of working in this situation. It's huge because what it's saying is we know that something's going to pull Russia into this. Something's going to pull Iran to attack them, Ezekiel 38 and 39. Well, what better thing to do when tensions are high in the world than Israel to go and bomb Iran? And what they're saying is we need to go bomb them now. Don't wait. No conversations. Don't let deals happen between America and all these other nations. Because if they make a deal and we don't act while we can, they're going to get a nuclear weapon. And if they get a nuclear weapon, we can't bomb them. Because then if we go bomb them, then they may send a nuclear device to Israel. So we have to stop them from getting a nuclear device. So before today's news, I would have said, be watching for an attack by Israel. Be watching any time for the planes to head in and begin to bomb with bunker busters because they realize the clock is ticking. President Biden and others are trying to make this deal with, again, restart this deal with Iran and giving them. And by the way, Greg, just last week they said you can now begin your program again and work toward nuclear weapons. So the, the, seriously, the, the Biden administration has started to allow this to move forward. Now, so then Israel has to kick into gear. It looks like that God has kicked into gear for Israel. Because just today, before the show, I'm checking news. I was watching to see what's going on. Russia is a part of the whole thing here in order for the deal to go through because they're working with Iran and all the other nations. And what uh, what they said is we've put sanctions on them because of their invasion in Ukraine. And Russia said, unless you remove the sanctions, we're not going to let this deal go through with the UN or anybody else on this thing with Israel. So it's on hold. Mm. God shut it down. And now they can't move forward with the nuclear deal where they can make their nuclear weapon. So Israel could have moved or God could have moved. At this point, it looks like God moved for them. What a political soap opera. Yeah, you're not kidding. This whole thing. And is. you have to know what's who going on to keep up with it. Who would ever saw that twist? Yeah, I know. I know. But I, I watch God. You watch and our listeners be watching this. God intervenes. Now, sometimes yeah. he'll allow Israel to do whatever. And at some point, he's going to let whatever happens spur this battle. But God defends his people and God moves in ways that, you know, people look at that and say, well, it didn't work because Russia. No, it's because of God. God is the one who said, I'm going to use that. Now we're in a situation, shut this down, you can't move in. Until it's God's timing, Greg, it's not going to happen. And it goes back to the verse, um, you know, the the restrainer. As long as the restrainer is in place, this process is not moving forward at the world's speed, or we should say Satan's speed. It is moving forward, but it's not going to happen until God says so. This would have been the type of event that could have pushed Israel to pull the trigger and get something going. And God say, no, not time. I'm shutting it down. So we see God kind of here again. He's yeah. riding the brakes. The brake lights came on, and so we kind of slow down as we're behind him on the prophecy show. That's so it. we don't. So we don't want to. <laughs> we don't want to tell in to put dents in the bumper of the Lord here. So That's we're right. slowing down some. Well, speaking of God using the actions of man to accomplish His prophetic agenda, uh, this is from MSN.com. Uh, Russian Jews are looking to Israel to escape Putin's 
wartime isolation. Yeah, this is huge as well. And we'll get into the scriptural yeah. and signs of the time significance. Mark Dagan, this is from, as you said, from Bloomberg. Mark David uh, Dagan, rather, last traveled from Russia to Israel more than 15 years ago for a two-week vacation with his father, wandering cobblestone streets and visiting some of the world's most revered religious sites. Next time he'll go for good. Man, this makes me want to go to Israel just reading about the streets. <laughs> I want to go to Israel. We'll see what happens. We'll anyway, see what happens. I'm getting yeah. sidetracked. Uh, I digress. Dagan's among the thousands of Russians with Jewish heritage considering relocating in Israel in the wake of President Vladimir Putin's invasion in Ukraine, an influx that could swell into the largest since the breakup of the Soviet Union. Now, we've watched Israel, Greg, be, be moved back to Israel since really World War II. They were there, but a bunch more came in, as we talked about before the show started. And we've watched them move in in droves. I mean, the nation is being re-inhabited. God said, in the last days, I will regather the children of Israel, the tribes of Israel, back to the land. This is so exciting. We're yeah. watching it happen. He's regathering the tribes back to the land. However, you have those stubborn pockets. And there are those that get entrenched in their life, entrenched in their business. They don't want to move back to Israel. The Spirit's pulling them, but they're fighting it. Hey, why would I move back to Israel? I don't want to go back there and start over. I've got or all why these... would I just even move to Israel? I've never even lived in Israel. Exactly. So why would you do it? So there's yeah. some that hold out. Well, God says, I have a plan for them as well. And listen to what it says in Isaiah 43, verses 5 and 6. It says, fear not, for I am with you. He's speaking to Israel. God is. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. Not just bring. So you see that that once bringing, and they came, now I'm going to gather. I'm gathering you from the west. means I'm going to go get you. Okay? I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. What he's saying is, for those who don't come back on their own in the last days of my children, the children of Israel, the 12 tribes, I'm going to drive them back by by whatever means I choose to use. And what we saw, Greg, in World War II, driven back, many moved back on their own, many were driven back. What we're seeing now is, between that and now, many have moved back on their own. But I'm watching this whole attack against Ukraine, and even with those that are still in Russia, it's driving them back. Because the tension's so high, the pressure's so hard, they're being so persecuted, they're saying, let's get out of here, we have to, I mean, think about it, if you're going to have to move, if you live in Ukraine, and you're going to have to move anyway, so you and your family can survive, because war has come to your nation, well, where are you going to go? I mean, you could go anywhere in the world, why not go back to your homeland? There's a sense, Greg, when you're in danger, you want to gather to your own people, you want to gather to those that are like-minded, you want to be with those that'll fight to the death for what they believe in. That's what God is doing. He is driving the Jews back to the land, and there's going to be more and more driving. He's not done yet. You look at the Jews in America, and we'll get to more articles later, but yeah. you get to the Jews in America and the persecution they're facing in New York City and around America, they're holding on, Greg, because they have a great, it's, it's a great deal here. They've got good jobs, good businesses, a good system, less persecution than in many places in the world, and the only way many of them are going to go back is if they are forced to go back by some reason that they get compelled to be forced back well and here's the thing when we say forced back we're talking about as a people group but these people as individuals have never lived in israel right uh, and these people all they know culturally yes societally is where they're living right now right not that they haven't visited israel and they don't understand jewish heritage and all of that but you're talking about Letting go of everything that you know, friends, family, networking, jobs, yeah. I mean, your home. That's right. Starting over quite literally. Quite literally. Yeah. And Greg, that's now remember, some of those in New York, they're in the same thing. Yeah. There, there are other pockets yeah. where they've never, they, they don't know the culture yeah. there. They know about it. But I mean, I'm saying God is basically saying, okay, everybody out of the pool. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't get out of the pool, I'm draining the water. Yeah. And you're going to be cold standing there shivering. You get out of the pool and come back to where it's warm. They're going to be he's driving them back to their land and they don't even know what's going on. And that's how all of these end time prophecies are connected. When you look at wars and rumors of wars of Matthew 24, when you look at the, the impending battle of Ezekiel 38 and 39, and really what prophecy is about in the end times is God dealing with that final week of dealing with the nation of Israel that he's promised to deal with them. That's right. God dealing with his kids that have trusted in Jesus Christ and God dealing with the unbelieving world. That's right. And so he's using the Ukraine battle to fulfill prophecy that says, I'm going to bring you back into the land. That's right. And once, once I bring you back into the land, you're not going to be removed. That's right. 
But what's interesting is this all began with an invasion by Vladimir Putin. Uh-huh. And this isn't the first invasion that's caused the Jews to be driven back into the land. That's right. And we can go back not too far to Adolf Hitler That's right. and his invasion of Europe Absolutely. that forced the Jews back into yeah. what was not the reestablished Israel, but yeah. resulted in Israel being a nation once again. Yeah, and Greg, you brought up a great point at the beginning of the show. You know, we saw the region they came out of. You know, I believe that the headquarters of Satan during that time was Germany. I think it was. I think he was leading this whole thing with World War II. We talked about the earthly battle, but we know that the battle's much higher. This is yeah. a spiritual battle between God and Satan. This is the forces of evil yeah. fighting, and it just manifests itself through us. And and you see Hitler wanting to take over the world. We know that Satan's desire to take over the world. And that region of Europe there driving the Jews back to Israel and persecuting the Jews. And now once again, we see that region. Now I know that Germany is right there, but you've got you've got Russia, which is the Magog area. We talk about Gog and Magog. Germany's not far. It's right there over just to you know, right over next to but not far from Russia at all. They're 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 right by each they're other. They're right by each other, yeah. And and um and so again you see that same spirit. Maybe Satan himself. No doubt Satan is the one that's over all of it. Whatever demon is actually driving it right now, Satan is over all of it. We know that God is over Satan, so God allows Satan to do what he's going to do because he can't do anything without God's permission. But once again, I thought that was a very good point you brought up where you saw Satan driving the Jews. You know, he was intending it for evil. God was intending it for good to drive the Jews back to the land as well as a chastisement on the nation of Israel for rejecting their Messiah. The Scripture is clear on that as well. But once again... God is using or uh, allowing Satan to use that general Europe region, if you will, Germany right next door to Russia, to drive more of them um, back to the whole Ukrainian area down below Germany and right down down below Russia to drive the remaining Jews out. Like I said, it's almost like I've gotten everyone out of there. Um, and now I've got to, you think about Sodom and Gomorrah when he called um, a lot and his family to come out. Some of them came out willingly, but remember he went in to get some of them, tried to grab the kids. They wouldn't come out, but he grabbed them by the hand, his wife and all, yanked them out before God brought his judgment. It's yeah. almost like God is going and saying, I'm grabbing my kids by the hand saying, look, there's going to be massive things happening during the Great Tribulation worldwide. I'm going to bring you back to Israel. I'm going to gather you here. I'm going to keep my promises to you. I'm going to send a big portion of you down to Petra, where I will protect you during the final three and a half years of this process. And it's just amazing and fun to watch, and it gets exciting. Greg, it's happening. Now, we've seen we've seen Jewish people leave of their own accord going to Israel. Right. And, and you mentioned that, and, and, and Isaiah mentions that. Right. It gives the, the two types. Either you're going to come of your own volition, or I'm going to gather Drive you. Drive you back. Amen. Now, Israel calls it, what is it called in Hebrew? It's called the Eliah. Eliah. It's called yeah. the Eliah, which the, is yeah. the, the homecoming? Yes, is it that just what means that the means? regathering. It's kind the of a regathering. Re- look, I can find the exact name, but yeah, yeah it's regathering the, the Eliah. Yeah, they're yeah. coming in back to the land. And, and they're coming from all over the world. And, and, you know, we see the articles that we see and we share them, but guaranteed, God is bringing in them in from all four corners of the earth. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing. He said, I'll yeah. say to the north, give them up. Yes. To the south, give them up. I'll drive them back. He said, I'm coming after you and all this kind of stuff. So it, it's interesting to, you know, to watch and to see God working, but basically he's going to make those go back who don't want to go back. And I know he's not, he may not force every single Jewish person back into the land. I don't know how, how deep, how, you know, firm God will make them all go back, but by far the majority of the Jews will be driven back in the land. And Greg, it's just so exciting. And then he's going to pour out his spirit on them. It's going to be like a, a family reunion. Yes. And then when the family gets there, the father's going to show up and pour his spirit out and bless the whole family. And they're going to start celebrating and feasting and rejoicing. And, yeah. Sorry. And the world's and hitting gonna, microphones. And hitting microphones. They're so excited. And, yeah. And the world's going to just go nuts. Yeah. I mean, they're going to they're going to hate it. And they're going to restart the sacrifices. Yeah. Nothing about that one. And the world's going to be, you know, you're sacrificing these animals again. The Antichrist is going to let them do it for the first three and a half years until he declares that he's God. And um, I just, you know, it's, it's, I get excited about it. I, again, I'm not excited about the disasters we see in the world. Or the, or the reasons behind them getting driven back into the land, but it's really the excitement of seeing God's promises being fulfilled. Right. You're exactly yeah. right. I get excited about watching God work and what God is doing. That's what yeah. excites me. Exactly. So, yes. To see God work in the midst of all of these trials and tribulations that we see, it's prophecy being fulfilled. And and really, we go back to Matthew, it's, as Jesus himself said, all of these things that he described is going to be like a mother giving birth. 
Yeah. Birth pangs. That's right. The contractions. That's right. And it's painful. Yeah. It's painful to deliver the baby, but once the baby's delivered, yeah. the mom forgets the pain. That's right. That's right. Time to rejoice. And there's there's a there's a promise that God's going to deliver where we're all going to be blessed forevermore. Yeah. And yeah. forget about the pain yeah. of this earth. Yeah. Real quick, the Aliyah yeah. or the Aliyah, yeah. they're both the same way. It's the immigration of the Jews from the diaspora. That's the, they've been scattered around the world. It's the regathering of the Jews back to their homeland. We're watching it happen. It is an end time sign. And it's right in our face. I love it. Another end time sign is three hundred dollars a barrel of oil. Oh yeah, or at least Russia's warning that that yeah. might happen. We'll talk about that in other articles in just a few moments. The signs of the times continues. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Yeah. WIAMLP one hundred one point one FM Knoxville. This is Holy Land Moments, a radio ministry of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. On today's program, the Fellowship's C.J. Burroughs shares one of our Heroes of the Holocaust stories about the Holocaust hero who saved Curious George. During World War II, a Portuguese diplomat defied the orders of his nation's dictator, issuing thousands of visas to European Jews and allowing them to escape certain death at the hands of the Nazis. The stress of risking everything to save lives caused Aristides de Sousa Mendes to have a nervous breakdown. But after a secluded rest, he defiantly declared, From now on, I'm giving everyone visas. There will be no more nationalities, races, or religions. He continued these compassionate acts until the government finally expelled him from diplomatic service. Now treated as poorly as the struggling refugees they once helped, Sousa Mendes and his family ate their meals at the soup kitchens of Lisbon's Jewish community. For the rest of his life, this man of mercy went unrecognized for his sacrificial acts. But today, it's believed that the diplomat may have issued as many as 30,000 visas, 10,000 of those for Jews escaping the Nazis. Decades after his death in 1954, Aristides de Sousa Mendes is now remembered for his heroic and selfless actions and was named Righteous Among the Nations by Yad Vashem, Israel's official memorial to the victims of the Holocaust. You've been listening to Holy Land Moments, a radio ministry of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. During Black History Month, learn more about the historic bond between African Americans and the Jewish community by visiting holylandradio.org for our complimentary copy, On the Front Lines of Faith. That's holylandradio.org. This has been Holy Land Moments from the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. Never forget the work of God. It helps to root us in the calling of God and what He's doing in our lives. Oh, I don't want to go back to my past. I don't want to relive a moment of it. But you know what? I have a past. So do you. My past isn't all that good. But you know what? I don't live in the past. I live in today. And the bypass reminds me that God can save anyone. And He wants to. He wants to save your brother. He wants to save your mom. He wants to save your boss, your co-worker. God can save anyone. When you remember your past, you don't remember it in condemning yourself. You remember it to say, God, you're so good that you've brought me where I am today. It gives you perspective. You can learn more at edtaylor.org. Grow deeper in your love relationship with Jesus by visiting edtaylor.org. This has been A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. Signs of the Times now continues. Here again is your host. Welcome back, everyone, to our second half of our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news. These are the Signs of the Times for Friday, March 11th, 2022. This is episode 206, right? Yep, 206. I'm Greg Hilt. On the other side of the glass is Pastor Mark Kirk. And up next are articles of interest. Ezekiel 38 and 39, we talk about it all the time. And a lot of times when we talk about these prophecies, especially when we talk about Israel and Ezekiel and certain things, they're so intertwined. Sometimes it's almost very hard to separate and categorize them and keep them separate. It, yeah. it, it's almost like, you know, a codependent that has no boundaries in their life. I mean, these, these prophecies just kind of, they all they all meld together. And at some point, they will all meld together and come to a conclusion. Yeah. 
Anyway, CNBC.com reporting that Russia is warning of $300 a barrel Mm. for oil and is threatening to cut off European gas if the West bans energy imports. And while you talk about that, also explain how this ties into Ezekiel. Absolutely. And I'll quote this. The article says, it's absolutely clear that a rejection of Russian oil would lead to a catastrophic consequence for the global market. Russian Deputy Prime Minister Alexander Novak said Monday in an address on state television, the surge in prices would be unpredictable. It would be $300 per barrel, if not more. And again, I don't know how accurate that is, uh, but it certainly would, Greg, send the prices out the roof if they cut off European gas supplies. Again, just to remind our listeners, let's get some history before we talk about it prophetically. Russia supplies Europe. They, they are the major supplier of Europe uh, with gas and oil. And over 60% of their economy is based on that. Now they're at war. Everybody wants to shut them down. Everybody's saying we're going to cut their lines off. Now Russia's saying we may cut off our lines. It's really kind of a threat going both ways, back and forth. Now America, we've cut off our of what we're receiving uh, from Russia. I think we could only only get 6 or 7% of our oil. But think about America getting 6 to 7% less oil. Um, and we're not getting it anywhere else yet because Saudi Arabia won't talk to us and we're not, we're not getting it anywhere. So we have less oil now this week than we did last week. And look at the gas pumps. Look at our prices. So this is getting, you know, more dire for us in that sense. So he does have a point. As Russian oil gets shut down, it affects the entire global economy. Uh, with what's going on in Europe and even affecting us unless we get the oil somewhere else. The frustrating thing is we have plenty of oil that we're walking on right now underneath America that we could just, we led the world uh, just two years ago and now we're not leading the world. Uh, matter of fact, we're, we're, we're a major import. But uh, why is this so important? Because we talked about it before. This is where somebody's got to step up and supply for the world. America's not doing it. We could. But we're not doing it. I still believe we need to be watching, signs of the times listeners, we need to be watching for Israel to say, you know what, we will step up and supply. Now, here's the problem. We know they have the giant uh, uh, you know, oil reserve there on the Golan that they found. They have the giant natural gas reserve they found in the Mediterranean, Leviathan. They're already building some of the infrastructure to get that to Europe and other places. It's being supplied already to Egypt and Jordan and other places. But the problem is... America was a big part of getting that pipeline built to Europe because we were we were fund we were paying to be a part of it. We were investing in it, right? And we made an agreement with the nation of Israel. We will invest in this pipeline as long as you know because we want to get our cut. We want to be a part of it and we'll help you guys do it, blah, blah, blah. We'll all get rich from this, basically, right? Business partners. Well, President Biden comes in and breaks this promise. The America made a promise. President Biden came in and said, we're not keeping that promise. We're breaking it. So it shut down the pipeline to Europe. So as of right now, they don't have the way to finish this. But if I know the Israelis, they're working behind the scenes right now to go, where do we get the money? Yeah. Who do we work with? How do we finish this? So don't be surprised if you see in the news that they're going to try to start supplying Europe, especially in the in the dire situation the world is in right now with gas and oil. Now, if they do that, what do you think Russia's going to do? See, Russia's using this as a weapon to say, we're going to shut you guys down and we're going to get our way by, by basically shutting everybody up. Now you've got to do what we want. You have to meet our demands, right? And if Israel says, no, we're, we're not going to meet your demands, uh, we're going to do this. America says, we're not going to because we're not going to pump any more oil. We're not going to do anything with it. But Israel does. Who becomes enemy number one? It's going to be the person providing that oil and gas. And if Israel starts providing that oil and gas, their enemy number one, Russia's got to shut that down. We know we talked about the hooks in the jaws in Ezekiel 38 and 39, pulling Russia down into this battle against Israel, this future battle, not the battle of Armageddon, but a battle before that, that we read about in Ezekiel 38 and 39. And again, this could be this $300 oil, these threats from Russia. Maybe here's a hook that's dangling in the water, like we've talked about, that could be used to pull them down. So this has huge uh, prophetic uh, significance and importance in watching this whole thing unfold in the Middle East and with Russia. Uh, maybe it would be a good time to just interject before we go to our next category, interject some comfort and encouragement for believers listening. Don't we want to keep them afraid and frightened? No. Okay. The I'm world sorry. does. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. But we don't. <laughs> and, Obviously, and, I'm joking. <laughs> I know. Uh, and, and, I'm, and I often think when, about Jesus talking about the sparrows. Yeah. You know, and the birds of the air, yeah. And, yeah. and 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 the grass of the field, and 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 basically he's saying, my father knows the needs of all of his creation. That's right, and he meets those. And then Jesus says, "How much more am I going to supply your needs?" Yeah. So maybe you can talk 
uh, and then this is really kind of a spinoff of some of the things you were sharing last Wednesday night when you were going through Isaiah. That's right. You know, talking about in light of all the calamity and the things and the inflation and all the things that we see that impact us all to a certain degree. Talk about God's intervention for his kids in the midst of these things. Absolutely. And Greg, you, you, know, you already nailed it when you said, uh, you know, the, Jesus gives us the promise. He said, look, the birds of the air don't worry about how they're going to be fed and what they're going to do. Now they go out and they work. They yeah. just sit back and wait. But if they go out and do what they're supposed to do, God provides for them. He said, look, and the grass in the field, it's clothed just fine. And it's not sweating and toiling and all afraid, you know, what it's going to wear. His point is, relax, do your job, be diligent. And if you seek first the kingdom of God, now that's key. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's who the promise is to. All these things will be added, and you will have your supply, whether it be clothing, whether it be food, whatever the case might be. You're going to have that supply that you need. But this is something when we talked about in Isaiah chapter 3, the Lord was talking about the judgment coming upon the nation of Israel. And one of the things we pointed out in our study on Wednesday night is the parallels of what I believe the judgments of God beginning on America that I think have begun and seeing how Isaiah lays them out. This is exactly what brings a nation to be judged. And this is where you begin to see God's chastisement, whether you want to call it judging or spanking, whatever you want to call it. I believe it's begun for America. And, but, but in the middle of that, where he's pointing out all the judgments or the spankings and all the hardships they're facing, he says this wonderful verse um, right here in uh, chapter 3, verse 10 of Isaiah. He said, however, he said, say to the righteous that it shall be well with them. So he goes on, he says, they're going to do all these things. Woe to the wicked, for it shall be to them that they're going to be you know, basically given over into the hands of their enemy. They're going to be judged, etc. He says, but say to the righteous, it will be well with them. What a word of encouragement. So, and I get your point of what you're saying. When yeah. we see all these things happening worldwide, and all, you know, what's going to happen to the oil, the gas, and food, and, ah, and lions, tigers, bears, oh my, we talked about it. Um, God says, however, you serve me, and you be faithful to me, you be righteous, I will make sure that it goes well yeah. with you. Now, we may not have all the same luxuries and, and abundance that we have now. Life has changed for all of us. But you know what? I guarantee you, houses will be warm, clothes will be on, food will be good, we're going to be fed. God's going to take care of the righteous. How he does it, I don't know. But he's promised. And so you can be encouraged out there um, as you hear this and see, especially some of the things we talk about, yeah. that if you're loving the Lord and putting him first, God's going to provide for you. And that's a great reminder. Absolutely. All right, Pastor Mark, let's head back to America here. On the boats and, on the and let's uh, go to King 5. It's a local TV station there in the Seattle, Washington area. Yeah. And uh, the title of this article is Downtown Seattle Business Businesses Continues Remote Work uh, Because of Crime, Not Because of COVID. Yeah. But this is what happens when you reject law and order. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is horrible what's going on there. A downtown Seattle tech company won't bring workers back to the office until they feel safe. Uh, businesses continue to speak out about the ongoing violence in the downtown core, specifically in the area of 3rd Avenue and Pike Street. Uh, Martin Fagan with uh, Kumolo, Kumulo, Kumulo, sorry. Kumulo, is, yeah. Thank you. Kumulo is a former police officer, now a facilities director for the cloud computing company based uh, at 4th Avenue and Pike Street. He told his employees they don't have to return to the office until the situation downtown stabilizes. Who knows how long that will be? So why is that a key a key thing? Again, it leads into the next article, well, Greg, no, right? Uh, is that what you're going yeah, to Yeah, no, oh. but I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to re- – you, you said something very key. This guy here, Fagan – Yes. Martin Fagan is a former police officer, and listen to what he says. He says, when I'm yeah. uncomfortable walking yeah. out into the street, yeah. I can't imagine what our employees feel like having to go in and out of the building. Yeah, and he's a cop trained for this. What does that tell you about the climate there? Yeah, yeah scary stuff. Anyway. Really scary stuff. And, and, this, and it's not just in Seattle. And so our next article kind of um, illustrates that. This is from Forbes, addressing the rise of smash-and-grab crime as part of work. Place safety. Yeah, again, we talked about lawlessness will abound in Matthew 24. Here's another article to go with that, and I'll have another scripture for you yep. in a moment. A spike in organized retail theft has been making headlines across the country from San Francisco, Chicago to Minneapolis and others. The attacks are often called smash and grab or flash mob crimes because they consist of coordinated groups who force their way into a business, grab as much merchandise as possible, and escape in waiting vehicles. 
The attacks are short and usually over before an effective response can be taken by law enforcement. And because they're committed by such a large group, in one case around 80 people, Wow! it's difficult for security to apprehend all the perpetrators. They also typically target stores with high-value, easily resellable merchandise, get rid of it quick, such as electronics and designer accessories. This means thousands of dollars are lost in less than a few minutes. Even worse, it seems these attackers are willing to use violence against employees, customers, or bystanders if they intervene. See, it used to be they would just try to get it and get out of there. Now, if you try to point them out or oppose them, they're getting violent. So it's getting worse. And we talked about in the last days, signs of the times that Jesus said in Matthew 24, lawlessness will abound. And also, it talks about it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses yeah. 1 through 4. Let me read that. Here, here will be the environment of the last days. And by the way, this is happening worldwide. He says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And that, that describes where we are. For men will be lovers of themselves. Now, as I read this, you're going to, it all just applies so appropriately and perfectly right now. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. Here comes the word that really applies to our last two um, articles. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. He said, you know, see, we get so used to this, Greg, watching this environment slowly take place, that you read that and go, well, yeah, that's exactly how it is, but why does that, what's, what makes that prophetic? I mean, that's been going on for a while. If we back up far enough, that was not going on. And for those that are old enough to know, even for me, you know, and not even the generation before, this was not going on when I was a kid. This has happened in my lifetime. It has gotten this yeah. bad. Now, we've always had these crimes. I get that. But I'm talking about an escalation that meets the biblical definition. Exponentially increasing. Absolutely. All of these things. Absolutely. It's happening. We're watching it happen. The Lord said it would. It's happening. Yeah. All right. Why can't we be friends? Great question. Let's go to the answers. Uh, let's look at some growing anti-Semitism. This is obviously very, very prophetic. Uh, jpost.com now this is interesting but yes. don't don't be alarmed because it's you know Jordan's going to play a prophetic role that's so, right that's right uh, uh, but this is another flare up in Jordan we not know we haven't seen these before for other reasons but anyway uh, jpost.com reporting 46% of Jordanians say Israel is the greatest threat to the Arab world. Yeah, that surprises me, and I'll tell you why in a moment. Uh, 81% oppose normalization of relations between other countries and the Jewish state. Uh, nearly one in two, 46%, think Israel poses the greatest threat, followed by U.S. and Iran at 10% each, according to the survey conducted uh, by the Center for Strategic Studies at the University of Jordan. They rank Israel as the country that most threatens Jordan's national security, chosen by 32% of respondents, followed by the U.S. and Iran 5%. Now, this okay prior to what has happened over the last generation this wouldn't surprise me remember the whole middle east has been against israel jordan has not always been israel's friend saudi arabia has not always been israel's friend but in recent times saudi arabia as we mentioned has become a friend of israel jordan has become at least a friend on paper kind of like egypt is a friend on paper peace agreements but there's still kind of a little bit of underlying animosity i'm shocked to find that it's almost 50 percent of the Jordanians that have a kind of a, a squinty eye toward Israel because they've really been very, um, I don't know, very open to talk to Israel. They, the, 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 the king there in Jordan has been very good with Israel. They still have good connections. So it doesn't say in the Bible they'll be best buddies, but Greg, it does say there's still going to be peace between them because we talked about the Jews fleeing down to Petra. Well, Petra is it's in Jordan. Jordan yeah. yeah. So when the Jews flee down there, they're going to allow them to go. Remember, as a nation, they could stop them. They could start fighting and doing war. God says, allow my people to go down there. The Jordanians are going to allow them to go down there. So they may not totally trust them, but there's still going to be enough of a trust or enough of a peace or enough of they're not that big of a threat to allow them to go down to Petra. So don't let this confuse you. And you brought that up just because you see the articles that maybe they're not trusting Israel that much. They're still going to keep their borders open when that group flees down there to uh, Petra. And again, who knows what the atmosphere will be once the Antichrist takes over the world. Uh, you know, only time will tell, but it's going to be open in Jordan. But that is an interesting article. Yeah, uh, Times of Israel, Pastor Mark. Uh, now let's bring the Jew hate back here to the U.S. Right, is reporting that New York City is anti-Semitic crime has jumped four hundred percent 
in the month of February. Yeah. And I think we reported that January's increase we did. was, I think, 300%. We did. It's, was it's it great. not? Yes, it is just getting exponential. Getting there worse. is a growing hatred for the Jews that is being manifested very openly here in America and there in New York. And you say, why New York? Well, New York is one of the largest, um, you know, population, population, of yeah, Jews. population of Jews in the United States. And that's so they're getting it. Again, let me read some of it and then we'll talk about the prophetic uh, significance. Uh, New York PD said 56 in- incidents this month, up from 11 in January. Think about that. From 11 to 56, that's in one month. And that's what's reported. How many are not reported? The Brooklyn City Council member uh, promises action to crack down. Anti-Semitism hate crimes were up 400% in New York last month, according to a new released study. Um, there were 56 hate crimes uh, against the Jews. They're repeating themselves. It's not me, I promise. Um, uh, compared to February 2021, many of these incidents targeted Orthodox people dressed in a distinctive clothing. That is, if you could identify them as Jewish, they were in trouble. Like the Jewish man who was punched uh, on February 7th while walking on Shabbat, Sabbath, we would say. And get this, Greg, a 15-year-old was charged with the assault and committed a crime, the hate crime, in that attack. Who teaches a 15-year-old to hate the Jews? How does a 15-year-old know to hate the Jews? That is taught. That is something someone has taught them. There is a, there's a sense of, it's a spiritual move of the enemy to bring animosity against the Jews. And then it's the adults teaching their children to hate the Jews, maybe by their attitude in their home. Again, remember, this is spiritual. It's horrible. God hates it. But it's, God is going to use this type of stuff to drive them back to the land. How much persecution can you take in your city before you say, I've got to get out of here? So it depends on the ratio has to get bad enough in the opposition to drive you out. I think that's what we're seeing happen. God's allowing this. God doesn't like it, but he's allowing it. And I think he's going to use it to drive more Jews back to the nation of Israel in the last days. Well, we've talked about this years ago when we found out about it, that uh, in the Gaza Strip area, uh, they have a, a children's show that's kind of similar to Sesame Street. Right. And on yeah. it, and on it, the show was teaching the kids how to hate the Jews yeah. and, and how evil the Jews are. And yeah. they would use puppets and various characters to accomplish that. Yeah. So to your point, yeah. kids have to be taught yeah. at an early age how to hate. That's right. And they're formally training them up in the Middle East. And now I believe probably passively and maybe a little bit more aggressively is happening here in america and of course in new york city quite obviously yeah all right some pestilence plagues disasters and corruption is as if the rest of what we just discussed wasn't enough (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this is from ap news russian war in world's breadbasket threatens food supply pastor mark please explain yeah this is huge and oftentimes you see this with wars but this is affecting the entire world the russian tanks and missiles besieging ukraine also are threatening the food supply and livelihoods of people in europe africa and asia who rely on the vast fertile farmlands of the black sea region known as the breadbasket of the world this is key many people might not realize it's called the breadbasket of the world in that ukrainian region and that means a huge portion of the world's food supply, grain, bread, comes from this area that now is being shut down by war. You Note this. Ukrainian farmers have been forced to neglect their fields as millions flee, mm. fight, or mm. try to stay alive. You know, farming's not that yeah. important when you're dodging bullets, yeah, exactly. right? Ports are shut down that send wheat. So not just that. The ports are shut down that send the wheat and other food staples worldwide to be made into bread, noodles, and animal feed. And there are worries that Russia, another agricultural powerhouse, could have its grain exports upended by Western sanctions. So they're saying, hey, we're not going to buy Russia's wheat to hurt them. And now the Ukrainian wheat's going to hurt that whole region because of the war. Well, that may sound good as far as at least sanctions may sound good to some people by trying to fight against what's going on in the wars. Nothing sounds good about Ukrainians leaving and not farming their land. And the result is, Greg, our bread prices and everything food-wise begins to go up dramatically now remember one of the signs we're watching for in the last days we talked about most of the major signs that jesus talked about in matthew 24 are currently happening they're overlapping there's two you've not seen as much number one famines and number two people declaring their they're the christ in in some larger way and i said a couple of weeks ago to our fellowship start watching for famines to come on the horizon i wasn't even thinking about this with this thing that you that russia was doing um, but start looking for famines because that's one of the things that we're not seeing happen. It's happening, but not as dramatically as you would expect worldwide in the sense of when the Lord talked about it. 
And the other thing we're not seeing are people that are saying, hey, I'm, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ. Now, we always have people that say that as well, but it would appear it's going to be on a larger scale, maybe more believable. One or two guys that pop up on the scene and the world's going to say, this guy is the savior of the world. Now, that was not happened yet, but now we're watching the famines unfold and take place. And this is, again, bad news in the sense, but it's also good news that Jesus told us it would happen. And we remind you of the good news we saw earlier. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. God doesn't need the breadbasket of the world to feed his people. He can feed them in other ways. And he's faithful to do that. But again, I think you're seeing, again, this whole um, um, last day's famine thing starting to kick in. And one last article, uh, just to note, I'm just going to hit the headline. Yeah. This today out of Washington Post, flour rationing has already begun in Lebanon because of this. Grain hoarding has begun in Hungary. Uh, and so they're saying this this Ukrainian war is lurching the globe toward a new food crisis. So he told us there'd be famines. Greg, I think we're now seeing a contraction of the beginning of some famines. I think we're going to see prices go up in the grocery store. I think we're going to see less food available. I don't believe America's going to run out of food. I think we'll have food. We're a, we're a nation with the supply we have that we can maintain that. But the prices but the variety are, of choices well, might diminish. We're going to have to cut back in many different ways, and many parts of the world, Greg, are going to really suffer with true famine. Yeah. Uh, another article that we had in here, Pastor Mark, that was related to that from the BBC, Ukraine War is Catastrophic for Global Food. Yes. It's basically saying the same thing. Yes. Uh, but I just wanted to make note of that, that we did have that in our staff. Yeah, and let me just mention a couple yeah. things. Yar International operates more than 60 countries, buys considerable amounts of essential raw materials from Russia. Here's something else that plays in, Greg. So this article is important, not just in the famine food part, but note this, fertilizer. Mm. Two-thirds of the world's fertilizer comes from Russia. Isn't that amazing? And who would have known that? Who would have, who would have known, known? But now you see how Russia being affected can affect the entire world's food supply, and why the Lord would say in Matthew 24, you're going to see famines, because he knew this one nation would start doing this, it would affect the entire world's food supply, and those that were already on edge were really going to be affected, everybody else is going to take a hit, fertilizer, fertilizer prices, which of course helps grow the crops, were already high doing, uh, due to soaring wholesale gas prices, but the boss here at, at Yara's boss, uh, Sven Tor Holsether, has warned the situation could get even tougher, and I think they will, and I quote, he says, Things are changing by the hour, he told the BBC. So, again, you're seeing food directly affected. You're seeing fertilizer that affects food directly affected. And so, getting very interesting. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here on some good news. I love it. We need it. ChristianHeadlines.com. NASCAR team is donating over $300,000 to the Samaritan's Purse Ukraine Relief. According to the NASCAR team, we have a quote-unquote moral obligation. I love it. Hendrick Motorsports will donate $302,000 to Samaritan's Purse, a great organization, uh, for Ukraine relief effort in its four-car team, led a total of 51 laps during the Pinzel 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Hendrick Motorsports and team owner Rick Hendrick has pledged to donate $200,000 and then an additional $2,000 for each lap led by the team. And I quote, we hope to encourage others to support Ukraine, whether it be through Samaritan's Purse or one of the other organizations providing critical humanitarian relief. Hendricks said, we cannot ignore the disaster that is unfolding. Let me just say this again. I know there's a lot of political things being spoken about as far as Russia and Ukraine and people saying, well, Ukraine's pretty evil, too. And the leader there is involved in this. Now, look, there's a lot of political things going on behind the scenes. Here's the bottom line. God loves people. And anybody that's suffering from war or famine or whatever, God loves them. He wants to help them. The Bible even says, look, even if you find that someone's your enemy, the Bible says, love your enemies. It doesn't mean we don't go to war and stop them. What it means is, is that God doesn't delight in famines and disaster and all these things. So we need to be praying for Ukraine, for the nation, for those that are affected. But we need to be praying for Russia, for God to use this war to bring many people on both sides to himself. Yes, to stop war. Absolutely but to bring people into the kingdom of God. And so when you see this kind of help here coming from America, again, Americans, although our nation is on the downslide, Greg, we've, we have always been and still are one of the number one givers in the world, one of the number one helpers in the world. Oddly enough, Israel is too, but people don't give them credit for it. And so this, again, just shows the heart of many of the American people wanting to help those that are in need. And so it doesn't really necessarily mention here that he's a believer, but if he's giving to Samaritan's Purse, I'm sure this is Christian-led. And so, um, again, we as believers need to be stepping up and doing what we can to minister to those that are in need, like those in Ukraine. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a great story. It is a feel-good story. It it's a great feel-good. story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that wraps it up for this edition of Signs of the Times. Pastor Mark, anything else you'd like to share before the 
music comes Absolutely. on? Absolutely. I want to try to remember each week to invite those yeah. of you that don't have a home church or maybe a place where you go. Maybe you're an unbeliever. You haven't given your life to Christ and you're listening to the show or just looking for that home church. Maybe you're new to the area. We are having a celebration of God's of the Lord's resurrection, our Easter celebration. Uh, this year will be at the Civic Auditorium, downtown Knoxville. Um, and uh, it's going to be at 1030 on April 17th. And we're going to have special music by Terry Clark. He's a worship artist. There's a country singer. Don't get confused with that guy. This is a worship artist who led the Promise Keepers in worship for many years. Is from Maranatha Music. Tremendous worship leader. He's going to be coming in, leading our worship. Uh, it's going to be free parking. The event is free, quite obviously. We're going to be sharing just the rejoicing and the good news of Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead and the hope that we have in him. And boy, do we need hope in the days in which we live. Yeah, that there is a better life ahead Amen. than what we see right now. Amen. Pastor Mark, thank you so much, folks. Thanks for listening or watching or uh, taking in our podcast. All the information about our show can be found at either thesigns.org or just go to thewaymedia.net. Click on Signs of the Times, and we'll be back next Friday at 1.30. busy. It lets your mind know you'll not be taking the time to think about the things that bother you, have bothered you, and won't leave you alone when you're not busy. Face it, busy is what we do when we don't want to deal with today's struggle that was left over from yesterday's to-do list. It's a can you've kicked down the road for a very long time. There's a reason why God placed a premium on rest. It's not to annoy you with your problems but allow you to strip away every reason you have for holding on to it, even when all you want to do is ignore it. Don't ignore it, but don't keep it either. Being alone with your thoughts doesn't sound productive, which is why it's easier to run away than face them. These thoughts may tell you many different things, but it convinces you to take the broken pieces of troubled thoughts to the God who can replace and renew. This may be